0: Welcome to the Every Nation Taipei podcast. We're here to help you know God, discover your purpose, grow in your relationships, and make a difference in Taipei, Taiwan, and beyond. We hope this message encourages you today. Hi, everybody. My name is Bertina. If it's your first time here, um, I'm a missionary from our New York church. I've been here about 10 years and I serve on our church's servant leadership team. Um, And it's been a while since I've been up here. Um, Whoa, (laughs) we okay? Um, Pastor Bruce and Terry are away this week. They're visiting their respective families in Hawaii and New Zealand. They say hello, they send their love. So you're stuck with me today. and so i just want to mention uh last week if you're here with us we had a visiting pastor from our every nation church in texas pastor daniel and uh, he became known as a fellow kindred spirit crier (laughs) of mine Um, and he uh, shared that he himself was an emotional man right and he validated jesus's uh, deep emotions and invited us to see ourselves in the scriptures Um, And identify with the characters in the Bible. And he warned us not to make uh, decisions solely on our emotions, whether we're, you know, if we're on a mountain high or like a valley low, um, we're not, we shouldn't make uh, decisions based on our emotions during those times. And he also charged us that no matter where we may be at, um, somewhere in between the mountain high or the valley low, um, to keep going, to live out the gospel. And I really believe it was a timely word for us as a church, um, especially in these times of transition that we're going through collectively. And you know I wonder if, you know any of us may be going through transitions in our own lives um, individually. Anybody? Nobody wants to raise their hand. Okay, I see some nods. <laughs> Um so throughout our journey with God, especially in these times of transition and change, we really need to put our trust in Jesus, right? Um, even cling to him at times, because he is our unfailing God. He is the rock. He doesn't change, right? And so we need to have this firm foundation to stand on, which is Christ. And to be honest, while I, I fully believe that to be true, I'll also be the first to admit that my faith has been tested a lot this year and uh, through various transitions, life stage transitions and um, uh, some injuries you know getting back covered recovered again and then injuries again and um, hormonal changes that's probably a little too much information uh, in my age but like there's a lot going on uh, this year and I've had to um, constantly like recalibrate. Um, my expectations, my emotions, my thoughts to God's truth, to remember who he is, to remember what he says about me, to um, know who I am to him and to really stand on um, the, the, the word. And so um, if I can offer a tennis illustration, um, anybody play tennis? I feel like I ask this all the time because I don't have too many sports <laughs> illustrations, but I play tennis, James, I know. And I know a few of you are learning or want to learn, right? Um, So in tennis, there's something called recovery. And so um, it was drilled in me from a young age when I started learning that no matter where I hit the ball or where I hit the ball from, um, if I'm pulled out wide or you I have to go up to the net closer, I have to recover and move my way towards the center after each shot so that you can set yourself up uh, for the next shot, right? And so it kind of makes sense because it closes the, oh, there we go, um, closes the um, space for your opponent. And so um, every time, you know, my coach would drill it in me, recover back to the center, recover back to the center. And I feel like it's the same thing spiritually. Um, with Jesus at the center no matter how far wide you may be pulled out um, or if you know life just gives you a drop shot for those of you know what a drop shot is you know God is pulling us back to the center every time we have to recover back to the center and that's Jesus. So in transitions right we have a lot of questions we may have doubts we may have concerns um, that can really mess us up at times and it can take us off focus it can take us um off our game or off center and maybe make it hard to recover right and i think it's in these times where um i've really found that going back to the nature of god to his characteristics um it's been incredibly helpful and significant in my life and so today uh, we're gonna go and look at one specific characteristic of god and that's the compassion of god In Exodus 34, um, Moses is God's appointed leader um, of the Israelites, and he just had this face-to-face encounter with God, this glorious face-to-face encounter with God after pleading with God to um, forgive the people, the Israelites, for their rebellion, for making this golden calf, this idol, and just um, worshiping idols, you know, every other God instead of him. And so i want us to just picture this before we read that um moses has received god's um promises up until that point he's seen demonstrations of god's power over and over and over again Um, and he's even been guaranteed god's presence he says um, god's presence will be with moses and his people wherever they go um but moses he doesn't just settle for that he really wants to know the person of God. He wants an intimate knowledge of God himself, and he won't settle for anything less. And I think that's really the reality that can invoke this lasting wonder in any of us. The only thing that can fully satisfy us in our life is to know God. Lord, help me. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so, so God tells Moses to get ready and to receive um, the new t- two stone tablets, the new commandments because the old ones were broken. And so he's like, get ready, go up Mount Sinai and posture yourself and you know, wait for me. And in Exodus 34, five, it says that the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him and he called out his own name, Yahweh. The Lord passed in front of Moses calling out Yahweh the Lord the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. So the writers of the Bible, they consistently describe God's character in this way, Um, compassionate, merciful, slow to anger, unfailing uh, love, faithfulness over and over again that's how he's described and today we're just going to camp out on compassion and i think it's noteworthy that god first reveals himself as a compassionate god to the people in the text god's already um, given a heads up to moses Um, In the chapter before, he says, this is what's going to happen, okay? I'm going to come, and I'm going to pass by in front of you. I'm going to proclaim my name um, in your presence, and I'm going to have mercy on those who have mercy. I'm going to have compassion on whom I have compassion. And when we talk about compassion, um, it comes from this Hebrew word, "Rachamin." Yeah, you got to, like, coat your throat a little bit. Let's try that again. I know you all want to say it now, right? (laughs) Rahamim. Rachamim. Okay, don't make it sound like like you're mean or something. <laughs> rachamim. And um, compassionate as an adjective is rachum. And so this refers to the womb of Yahweh um, or the movement or the womb of God. And it's really where there's just this um, like divine tenderness and gentleness that lies hidden within. And so rachamim invites us to imagine a mother's um tender feelings for her child Uh, in the translation can just be moved uh deeply moved uh in the old testament there's a story of king solomon and there's uh he's confronted by two women uh, who just have given birth one of the babies uh, didn't make it um, and dies but both women claim that the baby that's still alive is theirs and so as a test King Solomon says, "All right, we're gonna just divide the baby in half. Cut the baby in half. You know, you take half; the mom takes the other half, which is absurd, right? But the one true mother um, would rather have the other baby, uh, the other woman take the baby instead of the baby dying. And so it's because of her compassion, her rachamim, um, that Solomon knows that that is the true mother." And in the Bible, uh, this word doesn't just mean, like, moved by compassion emotionally. It's not just this emotional word. It actually means that you're so moved that you're moved into action. And that's how God is most often described in the Bible, is compassionate, that he's so moved um, that he is moved to action in The story of the Israelites, right, that I was mentioning before, from the time that they were taken out of slavery in Egypt to um, journeying through the wilderness all the way to uh, the promised land, God is always assuring them that He's with them. He's constantly trying to provide for them and does. He's guiding them, He's caring for them personally. And so it's no surprise to me that um, He first reveals His character as. Rahum, Rahamim. Um, but time and time again, the Israelites disobey. The Israelites rebel and they give their allegiance to other gods. They don't show compassion even towards one another, and they end up actually being very violent towards one another. And so it's in this really dark um, time in Israelites, in Israel's history where um, in the book of Isaiah, God shows himself as a compassionate mother towards her child. In Isaiah 49, 15 it says, can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, but I will not forget you. So God is full of this motherly compassion and he says that he will rescue us and and he will continue to do that. As if you continue reading in the Bible all the way through the New Testament, we know and we realize that Um, God enters into our humanness, into our suffering through his son, Jesus. So Jesus is Yahweh's deep compassion, become human. Um, He enters into our suffering and into our humanity to the point of death on the cross. The New Testament, right, is all about Um, the good news of Jesus, and when God becomes human in Jesus Christ, um, it's really compassion in the flesh. Um, He's preaching the kingdom of God. He's preaching uh, repentance. He's casting out demons. He's healing the sick um, and the layman. He's displaying God's fatherly love for everyone and anyone. And if you follow the stories of Jesus in the Bible, um, you'll notice a pattern. Oftentimes before God performed miracles, Jesus performed miracles like healing the sick, it says in the Bible that Jesus had compassion on them. There's a few stories here that I want to read and just for us to note. In Matthew 20, 30 to 34, There's a story here, it says, two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. And Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes and immediately they received their sight and followed him in Luke 712 to 15 now as he approached the gate of the city a dead man was being carried out the only son of his mother and she was a widow and a sizable crowd from the city was within her was with her when the lord saw her he felt compassion for her and said to her do not go on weeping And he came up and touched the coffin, and the bearers came to a halt. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Then all four Gospels record this miraculous story of Jesus and his disciples feeding um, a crowd of 5,000 people with a boy's lunch. It's just this boy's lunch of two fish, right, and five loaves. And, you know, here, prior to this miracle happening, Jesus was trying to have time alone um, with a father. He actually wanted to go away because his best friend, his good friend, um, John the Baptist, um, was beheaded. And so when Jesus had heard this happen, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. And hearing of this, the, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Jesus's response um, upon hearing the death about his friend was, I wanna head alone to the mountain and pray to be with God the Father. So why would there be this this God sent interruption, right? With needing to feed 5,000 people. And actually after that, Jesus still wouldn't couldn't be alone because then the disciples were on a boat and stuck on a storm and Jesus had to go rescue them and so Jesus wasn't able to have this time alone and we read here that once again Jesus had compassion on them even though he was trying to be alone even though he wanted to mourn his friend's death and I think in our society today um We tend to value feelings as um, like a high currency and being able to share in those feelings as a very high valuable thing. And I don't know if you ever um, consider the difference between empathy and sympathy, but there's this really important distinction. Okay, that's big there. So sympathy is the ability to understand what another person is feeling, right? We have sympathy cards, and when someone is going through something, you can say, you know, I sympathize, or my deepest sympathies, you know, for your loss, my condolences. Um, But empathy is the ability to feel what another person is feeling. To feel what they feel. It doesn't necessarily mean that you've experienced the same thing but you're able to feel what another person is feeling wow i need to like thanks <laughs> um but you know when it comes to sympathy or empathy they're actually not considered like really uh strong biblical values in fact I believe empathy as a concept wasn't really a thing until 100 years ago in the field of psychology because um, it wasn't something that was really valued as a separate virtue on its own. Uh, But in the end, sympathy and empathy are actually uh, like stepping stones to a far more Christ-like value, which is compassion. Compassion takes empathy and sympathy a critical step further because when you're compassionate, you you do feel the pain of another person, like empathy. You do understand what another person um, is feeling. But then you take it a step further and you do your best to try to bring that person out of their suffering. And so it can be said that compassion is the willingness to relieve the suffering of another. And I just wonder if we as Jesus' disciples and as a church would be willing to have these these God interruptions, um, to be inconvenienced and interrupted, even if we are suffering and in pain, to show compassion to another. I really pray, I hope that we do. So these um, stories of Jesus that we just looked at um, are really consistent with God, the God of the Old Testament, where he's being moved to action to save his people. Compassion um, in the New Testament in the Greek is another long word. It's called splangnizomai. And you can try that on your own. (laughs) Uh, Doesn't sound like the way it looks, But it's taken from this noun, splunknon, I think. And that means the inward parts. It's your bowels, your um, intestines. It's where the people would consider um, the most intense emotions are. It's literally to have the bowels yearn. Um, And so, I was actually tempted to uh, title the message, Compassion, uh, the Bowels of God, but I didn't feel like that would go over too well. Um, Probably would be memorable now that I said it, but not as fitting, I think, for a sermon title, but that's what it is. Jesus, the compassion of God, moved to his inward parts. And in our language uh, today, it's, it's like a gut reaction, right? Or when someone suffers a gut-wrenching loss, like you you really feel it, you know, in the depths of you. So when the New Testament describes Jesus being moved to compassion, he is moved to action. More than an emotion, more than sympathy, um, more than empathy. Jesus, he became lost um, with the loss. He became hungry with the hungry. He became thirsty with the thirsty. He became outcast with the outcast. And his heart was torn. His gut was wrenched. And the vo- most vulnerable part of his being was just laid bare when he walked this earth and when he hung on that cross for you and me. And this is God, Emmanuel. This is God with us, saying that the greatest love known to all is with us. He knows what hurts us. He's not indifferent to what we're going through and our suffering and our pain. And he fully embraces the human condition. He dives right into our pain and our humanity. I personally uh, didn't know the fullness of the compassion of God um, until the day I was baptized, and you know, for most of my life, my mm, contact with Jesus was: I went to church on Sundays, I saw a statue of Jesus hanging on the crucifix, and you know, that was it. Um, I had a distrust of God for many years, many years, and uh suppressed my emotions really hardened my heart to him and to people um but on the inside i think i was really just dying you know and and cried to myself a lot when i was alone but when i was baptized on november 4th 2007 um, i really experienced the deep compassion of god i was uh dunked into the water and you know that's where we say our old self was buried right and then as i came out of the waters of baptism it felt like the pastor's arms became like god the father's arms pulling me out into new life with him and it was the first time where i really felt god's father love for me and i could see the compassion in the eyes of all those around me i had my small group members i had a a, friend from elementary school and my best friend from college whose family had been praying for me for like seven years you know to come to know the lord and i i remember it was the first time where i really cried tears of joy instead of tears of sadness you know and obviously i've been crying ever since (laughs) Um, but jesus jesus is our compassionate savior he stepped into our humanity and into our brokenness, into our suffering. And he took on our pain, he took on our sin to rescue us and bring us near to the Father. And so if you've encountered the love of God and if you have this personal relationship with Jesus, then compassion is alive in you because Jesus is alive in you. And it's the same life of compassion that God um, calls his followers to imitate to allow ourselves to be moved by the pain of others and to embrace those who are hurting in the world and to relieve the suffering that's in the world. Um, In 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 John's gospel, Jesus says, as the Father loves me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Can we just take a moment to drink that in? Even close your eyes for a minute. Jesus loves us in the same way that the father loves him. Jesus loves me as a father loves him. And when we can receive the love of God and receive that compassion of God, it can bring a really deep transformation in us. You can open your eyes now. So we can embody Jesus's uh, compassion to serve others. Luke 6, 36 says, you must be compassionate just as the Father is compassionate. But before, I I believe, before we can really have compassion for other people, um, we need to have compassion for ourselves as well. Jesus told us to consider ourselves the least of all and what we do for the least brother or sister we do to him. Uh, There's a quote from this book I've been reading. Um, Brennan Manning is the author. It's called The Relentless Tenderness of Jesus. Um, And he says, since whatever is done for the least is done for the Lord, our compassion must start with ourselves. Before I'm asked to show compassion towards my brothers and sisters and their suffering, I'm asked to accept the compassion of Jesus in my own life, to be transformed by it, and to become caring and compassionate toward myself, in my own failure and hurt, in my own suffering and need. I think there's more. Okay, his love is not conditioned by what we are or do. He will be gracious and compassionate toward us no matter what our track record for, that is what Jesus means, the one who saves. Those who live out, of the center knowing their bones that they are poor and sinful, but that there is a spirit of self-acceptance without self-concern. This is the heart of the gospel, that we can be gracious and compassionate toward ourselves. So we're to accept his compassion in our own lives, right? To be transformed of it and to become caring and compassionate towards one another and towards ourselves um, so that we can um, share in the suffering of others and even in their hurt, their failure, their need, and their sin. In Philippians 2, sorry, there's a few uh, scriptures where it talks about how Um, God does comfort us and in our troubles, so that we can comfort others. um, And that God calls us to be kind to one another, to be compassionate towards one another. And in Philippians two, one to two, it talks about how uh, compassion is actually part of um, being united with Christ. And so when we're united with him, we also have this compassion, we have this like-mindedness in heart. So I wanna just share a few um, practical um, ways or steps, I guess, in living out compassion, um, which, I don't know, I always feel a little weird about, like, here are three steps to da 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 but I hope they're helpful for those of you who like points. <laughs> um, so receiving God's compassion is the first one. Um, receive God's compassion, God, Loved us, God loves us, even while we're still sinners. He says, love others as I have loved you. And so we can't love others without first receiving Christ's love for us. And so we ask for forgiveness and receive his forgiveness. It doesn't matter how bad you think you've been or what you've done wrong, past, present, and future. It's the very worst parts of us or most broken parts of us that we can bring to Jesus. And those are the parts that we need God's love the most. And so I wanna encourage us um, to take time to bring those parts to Jesus. Receive God's compassion. Number two is to share God's compassion. You know, take a look at who's around you and It may be in your life, in your community, in our community. Who needs God's love the most? Who needs your compassion? And Jesus went to the worst and the most needy. And it could be your neighbor. It can be your coworker. It could be a relative, a classmate. Maybe it's a total stranger that you may pass by um, every day. Jesus said that, Whenever we may see a stranger to invite in, whenever we serve, clothe, feed, um, provide for another, you've done to, it says, what is the word? It says, whatever you did for the least of these, you've done for me. And so this is something that we can all take part in. As we receive God's compassion, we can share God's compassion. And that may not, be as natural at times. Uh, We may be in the busyness of our lives or um, not as comfortable in reaching out to other people. And shameless plug to volunteer with Salt Collective or just to serve alongside um, brothers and sisters here in uh, church. It's just one way that we're able to represent and to share God's love with those around us. Um, and number three is to cultivate a compassionate community. So Jesus didn't just show compassion, right? He created this compassionate community. Um, when we just talked about the feeding of the 5,000, he couldn't have done that without the help of his community, the 12 disciples who took part in in that miracle of feeding all those people that day. And when we look at the Bible itself, the church wouldn't have continued or survived without um, Jesus creating this um, compassionate community to carry on um, his works. And so even when you look at the early church, they shared everything, all their possessions, they had all things in common, and they continued in Jesus' footsteps to preach the gospel, to cast out demons and heal the sick, and to care for the needy. And that's just as we should. And so I want to ask us, you know, um, Armand mentioned we have the connect table after church, uh, after service today, just to see, you know, are you part of a connect group? Um, Are you um, with others, doing life, sharing with one another? You know, as much as uh, Sunday service is great and gathering together, it's really in the connect groups where we can um, share life and really dive deeper in our relationship with God and walk out our faith with one another and so in your connect groups are you um, encouraging compassion um, talk about the people and relationship, relationships in your life that need compassion and how you as a connect group can reach out can minister compassion to them and pray for each other see how these acts of compassion uh, can be walked out um, together as spiritual family so i really pray that as jesus's disciples um, we can embrace this compassionate god of ours whose love moved him um, in creation and also in redeeming us sending his son jesus to us and it's this Uh, same love this compassion um, that moved Jesus to come to earth right to be humbled as a man and to die as our savior then we together as a compassionate people um, we bear God's image we reflect Him. We demonstrate His love to the world around us, and we join in on what God is already doing in His redemptive work, in uh, of compassion, in being moved to action to care for those around us. So I'd like us to um, just take a moment and um, consider these things to um, receive. God's compassion, to share God's compassion, and to begin to cultivate a compassionate community around us. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. God, I thank you um, that today um, you just show who you are to us. God, I thank you for Jesus being our compassionate savior. I pray, God, that today, whether we're new um, to the faith, whether we're seeking you or we've walked with you for years, that we can receive your compassion. And in doing so, we receive Jesus. We thank you for Jesus being the gospel. God in the flesh who came to us to enter into our brokenness, into our suffering, to be God with us. I pray that even today we just have this um, encounter with your love, your compassion once again, God. Help us to embrace it in ourselves. Help us to be transformed by it, that we can also extend your love and your compassion to those around us. Lord God, help us to not let it just um, stay within us and just be um, receivers, but help us to uh, be able to distribute, to demonstrate your great love in our communities in our workplace, in our schools, in our families. I just invite your perfect love. I invite your sweet compassion into our lives. God, we thank you. We thank you, God. We receive your compassion. May we be um, encouraged to share it with others and help us to bring about this transformation in our communities as we um, bear your love and your image to those around us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We pray this message spoke to you and built your faith. For more messages like this, visit our website at everynationtaipei.com. You can also send a prayer request and reach out to us anytime. God bless you. Till next time.